You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 14. Hey there, welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, and I'm so excited you're joining me here today, and I'm really excited to share with you today's episode. Before we jump into that, if you've been listening to this podcast, you might have noticed that we took a bit of a break, but it's for a good reason, I promise. Third Suite is getting ready to launch some amazing online learning opportunities that will be rolled out over the next couple of months. If you're looking to take a deeper dive into learning about fundraising, financial management, human resources, evaluation, and overall strategies to help you build an exceptional nonprofit organization, then you definitely want to get onto our email list. This will ensure that you get early access to our program as soon as it launches. Also, if you're interested in learning how to consult with nonprofit organizations, either full-time or perhaps as a side hustle, you also want to get onto our email list. We'll be launching a program specifically for nonprofit consultants. So to get onto our email list, simply head over to www.thirdsuite.com and you can sign up right on the homepage. There's no spam, just a weekly email with information about podcast episodes, early access and hefty discounts on our new programs, and access to our private Facebook group. So be sure to sign up. Okay, so on this podcast, we share a lot of great tips, tricks, and actionable strategic ways that you can make your nonprofit exceptional and increase the impact your organization is able to have. I'm so passionate about this sector, and it's the goal of this podcast to share with you ways to increase your organization's reach and help you serve your community. That being said, Introducing these new ideas into your organization is not always easy. Even when you recognize a problem within your nonprofit, actually making the change and getting your team on board with this change can be incredibly challenging. Before we get into some of the ways that you can make the process of introducing change into your organization go a little more smoothly, I want to talk about why change is so dang hard to begin with. When we look at our history and our research, it shows that we are practically hardwired to resist change from an evolutionary standpoint. If you think about it, thousands of years ago when we were out in the savanna, if if we found a shady spot with plenty of water and food that was away from danger, we'd want to stay, right? The only reason we'd ever leave our tiny little oasis of a spot would be to avoid an impending threat. So if we were to actually change our situation, it was a bad thing. It meant that danger was around the corner and we had to get out of there ASAP. And these same neurological mechanisms that helped us recognize when a threat was looming and triggered that flight response in us, they still remain. Only now, this response is triggered whenever there is any type of change even when that change is as innocent and harmless as a new email service provider or a new website or a new way of thanking donors or whatever the change may be. 
The changes we face nowadays, at least within our offices, don't threaten our lives. So why does this threat response still get triggered? Well, change could bring about questions like, when this change occurs, will I still be relevant? Will I still have a job? That's one of the ultimate threats we can face these days, right? We need our jobs to pay for our rent or our mortgage and to pay for our food. Jobs provide us with the means to gain access to our basic needs. So a change that threatens our job security threatens our access to food and shelter. Change also raises questions such as, will I be able to learn and adapt to this change or will I stand out as an outcast? The threat of being an outcast triggers our very basic need to fit in with our tribe. A tribe meant we were safe in the face of danger, so anything that could potentially mean we would be separated from this tribe tells our brain this is dangerous. So what all of this tells us is that change is hard because we are biologically resistant to change. Change threatened our livelihood then, and to some extent, it threatens our livelihood now. And when you're trying to introduce change into your organization, this is what you're up against. So it starts to explain why change is so hard at the individual level. You're practically up against thousands of years of evolution. At the organizational level though, there's a whole other set of barriers to overcome. Here's the thing, all organizations, for-profit and non-profit, were not built for change. Organizational structure is built for stability. Think about it. A sign of a strong organization includes factors such as sustainability, so a plan to keep programs going and experience success at the same rate. A sign of a strong organization is staff retention. When we see a lot of flux with staff members, we wonder, what's going on over there? Why can't this organization keep its staff? Clearly, there's something weird going on. Even grant applications will ask if there has been any significant change in leadership, right? So what does this imply? Change is bad. Even when we look to fundraising, as much as we value innovation and trying out new ideas within the world of fundraising, we still love to boast that this year's gala is the 10th annual gala, or this conference is the longest running conference of its kind. There are all of these subtle implications that indicate that change is bad. Change means your organization is not stable. It's a red flag that tells people, hey, watch out, something's up. Even when we're hiring, what do we say when we see someone who has changed jobs every year? We wonder, why can't they keep a job? What's going on over there? Even when we like this person and know they can add value, this frequency of change is a red flag. I would be remiss if I also didn't mention that we have a bias toward remembering failure. So when we think of change and that threat response gets triggered, we don't think of all the times that we successfully ma managed change and that change brought about positive results. We think of those times that we failed, like that time we tried to lose weight and attempted to change our diet, but we ended up binging on donuts instead. I've definitely been there, done that. Instead of remembering all of those days that we stuck to our new healthy lifestyle, we focus on the one day we deviated from the plan. Or how about that time that you got a new boss and they were terrible? Even if that was one time 10 years ago, that negative experience will stand out because of our negative bias. 
This is important to know when we begin to think about introducing change into our organizations because, according to Forbes, this negative bias is the reason that organizational change projects fail, and the majority of them, a whopping 70%, do fail. In light of all of this, why in the world would we expect our teams to jump at the opportunity to embrace change? It's not shocking that our team members resist our well-intentioned efforts to introduce new ideas that we want to implement simply to improve the organization. They just may not see it the same way. What the research shows is that as the need for organizations to embrace change has been increasing, our ability to adopt to this change has been shrinking. This is based on data from 2008 that IBM produced, so it's not even that recent. Within the last 10 years, our need to adapt to new technology has only increased, especially in the nonprofit sector. But the problem is that whenever change is implemented, and it's a negative experience, our teams remember that. So the next time we try to introduce change, they get discouraged and start to think, oh man, here we go again. There are so many ways that this idea that change is bad infiltrates our organizations and our lives. So it's really no surprise that change is scary. And I hope I've made it clear that change management is really an emotional process. So if you've had trouble introducing change into your organization, or if you personally struggle with accepting change, know you're not alone. This is hardwired into us. It's a pervasive barrier that all organizations face. You have nothing to be embarrassed about, and you don't have to feel bad about it. But what can we do about it? As leaders, how can we prevent our teammates from feeling afraid? How can we keep our teams positive and keep the energy positive? There are a few things we can do from the get-go to have a good experience introducing change into our organizations. Or I guess I should say, have a better experience introducing change into our organizations. First, we can engage our team in the process of identifying change that needs to be made. So, for example, perhaps a change you'd like to make centers around a new database. To get the conversation started, you might first get your team on board with the idea that the current database doesn't offer all of the features that you need, and that newer tools might actually help your team be more efficient and cut down on their work. By getting the team involved in identifying all the ways that the status quo is bad, it almost makes the change, a new database, their idea. Your team has identified all of the problems with your current tool. Knowing those problems and knowing that there may be a better solution out there, it would be silly not to look into these other options. Second, we can break the change process down into manageable steps. Okay, so let's say we have convinced our team that the current database is not up to par. We've identified the problem, but now what? If we present change as going from status quo to this crazy new database with all the bells and whistles, that's a big jump to make. But if we break this up into bite-sized pieces and say, okay, we recognize that there are problems with our current situation. Now, let's see what the other options are. The first step might be an online search. And from that, we found there are a couple of options that might fit our needs. Okay, now let's demo this software. Once we have a demo and it seems like this database option will work for our nonprofit, 
Now let's start a conversation about what features this new database offers that we like and what we don't like. And just break the whole process down into very manageable steps. So every time you're talking with your team about the new database, you're just talking about a tiny step, a tiny change. And this makes sense when you think about it. I want you to think about the last time you moved, even if it was years ago, try to remember what that was like and get yourself back there. And think about that feeling of total overwhelm that you get when you thought of packing up all of your belongings. If you're like me, you're thinking, how am I ever going to do this? But you packed up a box of pots and pans, then you packed up a box of your clothes, a box of books, and one by one, the whole house was packed up and you moved everything to your new house, one step at a time. Similarly, when we introduce organizational change, we can make it more manageable by taking it one tiny step at a time. Third would be to highlight each and every success along the way. This is especially important early on in the change process. Identify milestones early on and celebrate these along the way. It really is so important for boosting morale and keeping the team on track for the future changes to come. This also makes sense when we liken this to what we know about why change management projects fail. We know these projects fail because people associate negative feelings with change and resist it from the start. But what if we could alter this so that we celebrated accomplishing each step and we knew that every time we crossed the milestone, we would be greeted with a celebration? Perhaps we would come to appreciate change and be excited for crossing those milestones. It's kind of like when we graduated from high school or college. Yes, we were scared for what was to come next, but we also had this amazing celebration to look forward to. These were important milestones that we recognized as just part of our journey, and as scary as they were, we had positive feelings about them. The fourth strategy is to create a culture of change. So this strategy is to create an organizational culture that embraces change and makes change just a normal part of doing business within your organization. Brand your nonprofit as an organization that embraces innovation. When we think about organizations that are the early adopters or the disruptors, what sets them apart is how they identify themselves. The culture is not steeped in this idea of longevity. They don't take pride in saying, we've been doing the same thing for 10 years or 25 years. In fact, that's the opposite of what they take pride in. The innovators, the organizations that truly embrace a culture of innovation, they wear their early adopter status as a badge of honor. And they say, we are one of the first to take on this change or one of the first to try this idea and see if it works. In this way, the idea of change and innovation is connected to the mission of the organization, right? So if we say our mission is to use innovative methods to solve homelessness or food insecurity, then embracing change is par for the course. It's to be expected. And in some ways, creating a culture that embraces change and wearing that identification as a badge of honor will now become the identifying factor of the tribe. So in fact, resisting change means you're no longer in the tribe. And we know that people will, will resist any behavior that would alienate them from the tribe. Okay, the fifth strategy is to open the floor for communication. 
For my personal experience, I would argue that failure to effectively communicate is what truly leads change management projects to fail. Employees don't feel valued when change occurs and they didn't even know about it. The best way to remedy this is to practically over-communicate from the start and also open the floor for two-way communication. It's important that communication isn't just you as the leader talking to your staff, but that you're also listening to what they have to say. So some tips for communicating during a change management project are to start by clearly talking your team through the goals of the change management project. What's your vision? What's the purpose of this change? What problems are you trying to solve by changing things up? Then you'll want to communicate updates consistently and frequently. For instance, if you have a weekly staff meeting, you'll want to provide an update at every single meeting. If there are no updates, then you still want to indicate that there are no updates and just reiterate what you've said in previous meetings. Moreover, you want to be sure to communicate through multiple channels. So talk about updates at staff meetings, but then also send an email out to all staff. This ensures that anyone who wasn't able to be at the staff meeting gets the information. And also some people just digest information better when it's in written form. Along the same lines, you'll want to communicate updates as soon as you have them. So rather than waiting for the next staff meeting to tell your team about updates, make the announcements when they occur and then share it again at the staff meeting. You really can't over communicate when you're introducing change. Ideally, you'll want to provide plenty of time for questions and to address concerns from your team. Communication is, of course, a two-way street. So as much as you're communicating updates from your end, you also want to reiterate that staff are encouraged to come to you with questions or concerns, and you want to thoughtfully address these questions and concerns as they're brought to your attention. Okay, the sixth and final tip for successfully introducing change into your organization is to recognize and honor the work that was done by staff to achieve the current status. Sometimes introducing change can make staff feel as if this is a personal affront to the work that they've done. For instance, using the example that we've been talking about of introducing a new database, the need to introduce a new database may make the staff who implemented the original database feel as if they did something wrong or their work wasn't valued. We all put a lot of effort into our work and care deeply about the missions of the organizations we work for, so there can be a lot of emotion and attachment to the work that we do in this sector. So I think it's really important to address this head on. Let staff know that this change is simply because there are new products that have since come out that will strengthen the organization. So using our former example, the project they led and the database they implemented was the best at the time and served the organization well to get to this point. While it's not easy, introducing new and innovative ideas into your organization is necessary. The nonprofit that resists change will limit the impact it can achieve, and ultimately, this hurts the community that it serves. So, although it can be challenging, it's a challenge worth taking on, and hopefully the strategies shared in this episode will make managing change a bit easier moving forward. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, all of the tips mentioned in this podcast and links to any supporting research can be found on our show notes, 
You can find those by visiting www.thirdsuite.com forward slash 14 to look at those. And if you've received any value from this episode or any of the others, I would really appreciate a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, don't forget to subscribe so you can get an alert whenever there's a new episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back next week with a discussion of strategic planning models. I'll talk to you then. Bye.